So let's get straight into it, Nath. Um, tell me a little bit about, about how your season's going. So it's, it's obviously on the outside looking, it looks amazing. No, it's been really good. Um, we started the season on fire, um, probably up until just after Christmas. We were like pretty much untouchable in the sense that I think we maybe lost one or two games. Um, There's only a couple of draws in there as well. And it was, we just went on absolute fire. Um, and then turn of the year, we lost a few players through whether it was injury or loans coming to an end. Um, and it just sort of upset the apple cart a little bit. Um, sort of went on a, not the greatest of runs and um, yeah it into the confidence a little and it, it really affected us so we found ourselves I don't know the sort of stat itself but it, it was a lot of games where we, we didn't pick up um, three points at all and we found ourselves slip away from the top of the table but touch wood we're back in back in form seven uh, seven last couple of games and um, it's gone really really well we've put ourselves in um, a really promising position with three games to go and and hopefully we can we can get across the line in that second first or second spot um, automatic promotion is yeah. the aim that's the way to go isn't it I know you like Wembley now but <laughs> it's not not ideal not ideal going playoff finals again if you can help it no it's um, not good for the heart at all that, <laughs> that whole setup <laughs> so it's not for me again that's <laughs> no so um, what was what's been the difference between season one and season two do you think because last season you finished top middle uh, you know top half of the table but not not playoffs um the manager made a couple more additions but i said it all all the way through last season it if we didn't get into the playoffs it would have been a good learning curve for the younger players we've got a few sort of um lads that have come through the academy or have come in from other clubs but were only sort of off the back of one season in in league one so they um they needed sort of a year to acclimatize and get used to it and it set us up really really well for this year manager strengthened quite well over the summer he probably brought in four players um that have gone straight into the team and hit the ground running and it's it set us up nicely i look back at the time i was at swindon it was very similar here we had a, a season where we probably finished ninth eighth or ninth um with a young squad and the following season they were able to learn from the mistakes they'd made previously and put it into practice and we got to the playoff final so i do think it's important if you can keep a nucleus of your team together um, add a little bit more um, to it over the summer it gives you such a uh, fresh impetus the next season yeah so um, I remember when you first you first moved there it happened to be one of your games was on the TV almost straight away um, and actually it's funny because that's the first time Todd watched you play apart from like, at the county ground and she didn't know you as well then and uh, I remember that you got nudged off the ball foul stood up and the guy was stood over the ball and you just shoved him <laughs> just pushed him two hands in the chest or one hand or whatever straight off and and so was like nathan what's that? and i was like there's two nathans that you need to know so it's very different on the pitch um but i said to you i texted you after the game i remember saying i think you and jamal on the on the right yeah was going to be dynamite and that's that's come true, right? He's killing it at the minute. He's been on absolute fire for us. Um, I've always felt as though my position at right back, it, it, I try to give the platform for the, those that are playing in front. So I'm not doing anything special. I just try to do the basics really well and then give the the player that's playing in front of me the best opportunity to keep serving in the ball. They're better at attacking than me. I'm better at defending than them. So stick to what your strengths are, play to their strengths and hopefully 
you're able to build up that relationship and we've done that really well over the course of this season um as i say he's been on absolute fire for us you you can't legislate for the fact that he's going to score 14 15 goals i don't even know what it is he's i think he's got a similar it's about 10 or 11 assists as well like and i can give him the ball as much you don't ever expect it to have that sort of return um but when you've got the pace and power and strength that he's got it plays into it it's so perfect for this club and for for Portsmouth and yeah it's it's ideal to play behind as well does it feel weird saying younger younger players I think I'm accustomed to it now it's funny because when I was at Swindon I was 24 years old and I was still saying younger players the team was full of younger players like (laughs) I was already like an experienced older player so now I've got to my age and I find myself on the older team um, when we do sort of small-sided games. We do young v old, or yeah. <laughs> it is a so strange feeling. But it's one I've probably got used to over the years. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, and and also for those that don't know, Nate's a dad now. So um, massive congrats on that first half. Thank you. Um, how is little man? Good. He is. Yeah, he's Good. growing up so quickly. It's yeah. crazy. Love uh, it. Bless him. Um, so th- let's go through. I, I want to. I said to you before we went on air, I want step by step um, the entire Wembley experience. So um, Nathan just won the Checker Trade Trophy um, for Portsmouth against Sunderland. Um, it couldn't have been more dramatic, I, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, penalties, 5-4 win. You were due to take number six. Yeah. Um, and actually were slated to take number five originally, right? Um, so just from the start to the finish, what is that as a player, that entire experience around? What's, what's it feel like? It's an incredible feeling. It's first and foremost, to, the feeling of getting to Wembley, to know that you'll be able to walk out in front of, in that terms, it was 85,000 fans, is the most incredible. It's a dream come true, really. I think every child dreams of playing, walking out in front of the National Stadium. So... That goes back to when we played, I think it was Barry in the, the semi-finals. We got through and it was like, this is incredible. Straight away, we're, we're going to be playing at Wembley. Then the days leading up to it, it's it's the build-up. It's the getting all the tickets sorted. It's getting the um, all the logistics behind it. And the manager is very good in sort of saying, right, from Monday to Wednesday, so we actually we played on the Sunday, so Monday to Thursday, you sort out the logistical side of things. But once Thursday comes or Friday comes maybe... I don't want to hear any more about tickets. I don't want to hear any more about the setup. And we just solely focus then on the game. And it's the first time I'd sort of, I mean, I've been to Wembley, it's the fourth time now. And thankfully it was the first time I won there, but it was the first time a manager sort of put it like that. It was this half of the week is um, pure logistics. And then second half of the week, it's purely let's focus on it. And you went into the the game with that real clarity, knew what you were doing. And we went up on the um, the Saturday. Um, most teams tend to do like a sort of a tour of the stadium just so that when you turn up on the Sunday on game day, it's, you're not in awe anymore. Yeah. You, you're accustomed to your surroundings. You've visualised whatever you needed to visualise and you know exactly what you expect the next day. Um, so we did that. We stayed at the hotel um, basically across the road, stone's throw from, from the stadium. And you could... It was a strange one in that sense because when I'd been there previously, we'd stayed in central London, we'd stayed on the outskirts of London. Um, so to stay right next to the stadium, you were like really immersed in the atmosphere before you'd even got to game day, um, which was a little bit different. But um, no, it was it was fantastic as well because you opened the curtains. I remember opening them on um, the Sunday morning. 
and you just see him Wembley way and all in the round it just the buzz of that final checker mm. final day like it was it was really really lively and I went down to the lobby um to just see a couple of friends that were coming to the game um and the buzz around the place was mad like you yeah. just felt a real sort of good carnival atmosphere and it was it makes like thinking back to it now it makes the hairs in the back of my um, arms neck stand up it was a real sort of exciting nervous atmosphere um I went back up to the room. I said to um, my roommate, I was like, you know, I am quite nervous for this. Mm. I am. But then you turn up, at, turn up at the stadium, you start to see it fill up. Um, you hear your name over the tannoy and the atmosphere really starts to build. And it's, it's so surreal. I mean, even our um, assistant manager, he had to bring a whistle um, so that when he's calling us in just in the warm-up because the noise can be so loud and that you're not even hearing him and it, that's just it builds up and builds up and then the walking out um the national anthem the all this or pyrotechnics the um fire going off and stuff like this is just insane it's incredible incredible feeling and as i say something that um but when i was at swindon it was something i was so so proud to do walk out in front of my team but that's that feeling of even just i was i mean i walk out now like fifth in the queue even walking out fifth is the best feeling in the world yeah you know what i mean it's a dream come true and something that i will never ever forget i remember sitting in a stand thinking like when you walked out you obviously you know you, you count them out and you're spotting you and i'm looking there going what on earth your heart rate must be like right now like when the you know you've, you've been cheered at and as soon as you, en- you enter the stadium like as soon as you enter the pitch fans go mad anyway but like i can't imagine like, like a wall of noise like that and thinking i gotta perform now like it must be such a, an odd feeling it is it is, it is strange um i think the fact that i'd done it previously probably helped it settled nerves slightly and I really tried to sort of soak it up this time and absorb it. I think last time, deep down subconsciously, I knew that I was coming back from an injury. And don't get me wrong, I thought the injury at the time was perfectly fine. But at the same time, I also know I was only two weeks down the line from a, a grade two hamstring tear. So it, that sort of played on my mind a little bit maybe. And I wasn't able to soak up and take in the, the atmosphere as much. This time I really sort of sort of puffed my chest out and just sort of tried to soak it up. And um, in the day, it's during that time, before the, the whistle was gone, um, starting, you can't do anything wrong. No. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's probably the most relaxed you can be. At least yeah. once you take the bit and you make mistakes and that, people are criticising you. But when the woman's singing the national anthem, like, right. yeah, exactly, I'm chilled. So, um, no, it was, it is a... Um, a surreal feeling but yeah one of the best feelings in the world that's for sure yeah well it can sure it can be topped by um 82nd minute talk, talk me through that <laughs> mad um so it was something that we'd not so much worked on but looked at the fact that getting in around the back post um the amount of you you'll see it now that i highlighted but the amount of chances that are created um crosses come in from the back po- um, from one side of the pitch and they just seem to go out the yeah. back post and 
I looked at it and was, there's opportunities to sneak in if the, your winger switches off. Um, there's an opportunity to sneak in. Anyway, I'd seen um, the build up on the left side. It's the 82nd minute. We had nothing to lose. It is a playoff. It is a final, sorry. And um, I just thought, stuff it. Let me just get in the box. And even if I don't get on the end of it, it sometimes causes a bit of a melee. That's why you see goalkeepers go up for, for corners. They don't ever really expect to score, but they cause a little bit of panic that mm. the defender's not expecting that so um i just thought let's see what happens and the ball come in and i managed to time my run really well um i managed to get ahead of the the left back who was who's was stationary and whenever that's the case you're on the run they're stationary you're always going to beat them in the air um i just time it really really well um yeah back across the keeper and into the corner of the net and yeah the feeling from from after it was just something else like the the noise the emotion the passion like i just knew that all my family and friends were in the stands watching and it was going to be like the most incredible feeling ever so um it is a blur i've had to watch it back since just yeah. to take in like the actual goal itself i it's difficult to really remember at the time but does it feel like you watching it back you know it's strange it is it's like i've probably watched it about six or seven times now yeah. so it's, it's hit home at last but um it is a very very strange feeling and yeah one that i'm certainly like i'm not going to delete that video yeah. on that um recording that's for sure there's a handful of players that have ever scored at Wembley like that's what I that was what was going through my head because you nearly scored five minutes before that yeah should have scored if I'm honest like I look back at the chance and I think to myself like if if I was a striker you would be furious that you haven't scored that opportunity do you know what I mean and I think you get away with it a little bit as a a right back or a defender but um, yeah to be part of that crew that has scored there is is incredible feeling a little bit of history and um to do it in front of eighty five thousand people as well is is just very surreal that's crazy i looked over down the line because i was sitting next to danny and then further along from him was wimble and and he brought his kid with him and we were chatting away and and you nearly scored i was like god can you imagine if he scored and then later five minutes on he scored and it just place went matt i looked up pretty sure your dad started crying fairly certain yeah and and charlie was like fist pumping like i've never seen like she was going mad yeah and you just kind of go that is you i don't th- i think you you're so separated from it when you watch football because you don't know the players and but when you know a player and they do something like that you kind of go jesus this is like the, the ripple effect that has on family friends and i'm getting text messages from people like uh, do you know what i mean and, yeah. and that's not even that's not your closest family so it's just crazy right this is it i think as well though you've probably seen it because of all the struggles that you be you go through as well you look at um when you see it on tv and you don't know them personally you don't know the story behind it and everything i I look back at the last time i visited wembley and it was the worst worst feeling i've ever had on a football pitch so to be able to say it was the best feeling i had on a football pitch four or five years later is strange and yeah emotions were just everywhere and you're right it did bring my dad tears it brought my mum friends um that come to the game it it just sends you crazy it's like, a beautiful 180 yeah like it really it's real poetic to to be there four years ago whatever it was yeah. 
and so you come off five minutes in like it wasn't a mistake you should have walked out because you walked the team out you led the team out like it's that meant a huge amount to the team so I think it wasn't a mistake but and it's the last game or whatever it was of the season or close to it but at the same time you sort of look at it and go that poor kid has worked so hard and doesn't get to finish this game so to come back and do that and lift the trophy it's unbelievable yeah. it's, I mean I couldn't have written it better, wrote it better <laughs> myself do you know what I mean sure. like I'm so thankful. And they say, don't they, that you have to, you go through those struggles to really appreciate the, the good times and stuff. And you certainly, as a family as well, you know, with Lou as well, it's, we've certainly experienced enough struggles, that's for sure. So, yeah, to try and savour those moments the best you can is, is the perfect scenario. Yeah. On that, like, I, I, again, I'm going to bring up another. That you come down, come down to Fratton Park fairly recently, sat with your dad, watched the game. Um, you were playing... Bradford. Bradford. So 5-1 win. Um, and you go up. And it, it just seems like an innocuous header. To me and to your dad, it didn't look like anything. And then you lose two teeth. So you kind of go, again, those lads, have often because of effort you put in or whatever, just seem to have sometimes a bad run. Um, and it's so again it makes it even more sweeter when you go to someone like that and get rewarded for it this is um, it. I think we've had our fair share of injuries mm. and setbacks to say and it, it's so much so that it's driven my mum like to despair bless her she can't even watch the game like, it's just simply because she's not only had it with me she's had it with Lou and yeah. it, it's really it's been really tough for us so did uh, she see you score I don't think she did. No, she didn't. She took the, the little man off and I think she was even changing him. And it was only when it came over the tunnel and she's like, no, I surely not. Nathan would have scored. Like, they must have got that wrong. There must be enough of Nathan Thompson on the pitch. But um, no, she, bless her heart. She, she tries so hard. But I think, as you say, it's football so up and down. It's yeah. such a roller coaster that she just doesn't she can't deal with those lows anymore. It's just been too tough for That's her. That's fair. So you, you bring up Lou. He's now on the cusp um, of becoming a Premier League player. So Norwich are pretty much guaranteed to go up, is fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, like, how is he now feeling on the, on the sort of dawn of doing that? I think it's the best I've seen him in a long time. Is, as I say, you talk about highs and lows and there is no better feeling than that promotion and, and being part of that. It's been tough for Lou because where... When you're not involved in a team, um, we had it in League Two when Swindon got promoted to League Two, and I was I was very much a bit part player in that. Um, and you see all the celebrations, and you don't feel as part of it as you, as you like to. And I think Lou's got that same um, feeling now. It's, of course, he's absolutely over the moon that his club are going to be Premier League. But it's also a, a bit of a to swallow to see everyone around you playing their part and him not maybe being able to do as much as he would have liked to. But at the same time, he's back from injury. Um, and touch wood, um, he really sees an upturn in his fortune now because he deserves it. He's worked harder than anyone I know. And to be able to persevere and to have the mental strength to come back from the setbacks that he's had... I mean, I say to him all the time, like, he's an inspiration to me because I know whenever I've had an injury, like, how much it does, it damages you psychologically, um, those little setbacks. For him to have back-to-back Achilles ruptures... That's unreal. It's just, for him to carry on going and keep having the motivation to drive, like, yeah, I think he's he's an inspiration, that's for sure. I was more worried about him mentally than physically on the second one because I was like, okay, well, you fix it again physically. However... 
like to go through nine months of rehab or whatever it was he had to go through and then go through that immediately again that's, that's so rough yeah. like, I don't think until you're in football it will at least sort of very very close to it you can appreciate how difficult it is to to sit on the sidelines or or sit in the gym when every one of your teammates are going out to warm up and it's the hardest things once i think everyone don't get me wrong um once you have one weekend off it's it, you may appreciate it but then the second weekend third weekend like he was out for nine months that's unreal. You know what i mean that's a lot of weekends that he's not able to to do what he loves and to get um, get that sort of enjoyment out of going out onto a pitch and the thrill that he's been having since he was six, five, six years old. Um, so it, I think he'll be the first to admit it was a very, very tough uh, mentally. Um, but as I say, he's a credit to himself because he, he keeps going, he keeps fighting. And even when he come back from an Achilles rupture, his second Achilles rupture, he plays for a couple of months and then does a shoulder dislocation yeah. like it's just <laughs> beyond your worst nightmare but he's still able to keep going and that's why I, I take my hat off to him yeah good for him and do you know what he's probably landed at the perfect club for him in terms of that because I know that they call him immediately and said we love you we want you and don't worry just get yourself right which is amazing as a player to have that security oh without a doubt I think in this industry it's it's ruthless like, players are like pieces of meat and I think we've all accepted that now like, and I think Lou would be the first to admit that if Norwich were to say we're not so sure we're, we're going to have to let you see what happens at the end of the season he would have probably taken the chin but they were like no like, we really believe in you we, we think what you've done is in the time that you've been back fit was um, was really impressive. They give him a new contract and stuff like that. It was a, a huge um, nod of appreciation. And I think he'll, he's eternally grateful for that, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to paint you a scenario. They go up to the Premier League and he says, look, I want to be part of Norwich, but um, I want one season on loan at Portsmouth. How does that feel? Be incredible. It'll be an interesting one because obviously yeah, I think he'll be the first to admit that to get into a Premier League team's tough. Yeah. So we'll have to see what, what the summer holds for him in that sense and whether when he goes back in um whether or not he's in their plans. But um yeah, to have him back alongside me would be insane. Um it really, really would. I mean we Do you appreciate the time you had together? Like do you look back on it and think, ah, did I really grasp the fact that I was playing with my brother for all those years? Um, I think we were fortunate because he left, come back. So he signed for Norwich and a part of the deal was that he come back on loan instantly. So we were able to save a little bit. Then he left again and then come back again. So I think both times we were like, we listen, we really need to make the most of this. If the first time he signed for Norwich he said like that's that and that's like we've done that then we wouldn't have savored the moments and I would have kicked myself for that but thankfully he had the opportunity to come back and we did play each other again um but that's not to say that I would still absolutely love to be able to to go in every day with him train like and he's my best friend you know what I mean in that sense so it would be incredible to to see him back playing alongside me that's for sure you've never played against him have you no I mean it was meant to this season <laughs> for one reason or another it didn't work out we were both injured at the time and 
yeah, and talk about my mum. And I, I don't know what she would have been like that day. That's for sure. Burying her head in the yeah, sand. You're not wrong. <laughs> so um, I'm, I've kind of gone back into talking about your kind of Swindon days. Um, what's your kind of memories of, of playing for Swindon? Highs and lows. Yeah, I mean, for me, I was captain of a club that I'd grown up at, and there's no, I don't think there's a greater honour, if I'm honest, than being able to captain a team to walk a team out, whether it's at Wembley, whether that was at Wimbledon. Like, it, there's no better feeling. And, um, yeah, I was very, very proud to say I was able to do that. I had a really good relationship with, with the fans, with the the management, with, with a lot of people at that club. So they're always the first result I look for on a Saturday. Um, and I'll always have very, very um, high opinion of my time at that club. Um, it was tough at the end because for one reason or another, we we just didn't get it right in that final season. And mm. it's, it was my worst nightmare to get to be a captain of a club and, and take them down. Do you know what I mean, it's it was tough to take and... It's always, I don't like to say I have regrets, but it's something that didn't sit comfortably with me. Um, the team relegated and I see them now still in League Two and I, was, I really hoped that they would just bounce straight back up. And I guess it's not as easy as that as a lot of teams that w- would admit that. It, it took Portsmouth, who um, were in the Premier League, probably even sooner than Swindon in that sense, like a couple of seasons to get back up. So, um, yeah, it was... <laughs> It was not easy to get. It was not easy to leave um, and leave them in that position. But I just felt at the time um, I'd spent the best part of eight, nine years there, and I think every player would be the first to admit they want to try and play as high as possible. Mm. And at the time, Portsmouth um, come in and they really pushing to get into the championship, and oh, I mean that's where I'm desperate to play. Um, so it was. An, it was an offer that I couldn't turn down, even though it was so difficult to to leave Swindon behind. Yeah. So do you, do you feel having seen? So let's cast it back to when you're out at Wembley. Um, that team seemed to me pretty stacked in terms of players that left. Um, Gladwin, uh, Mas Luongo, um, obviously Lou left. So you, you'd had Fodderingham. So there was a good a good squad. Now that seemed to get systematically pulled apart and players left for whatever reason, whether it was contracts or whether it was sales or whatever. Um, do you feel like you, you would have, you stayed too long? Would you have wanted to go earlier? No, I don't feel I stayed too long. I felt as though I'd un- I had unfinished business in the sense that you got so close. It's never one left because... <laughs> they want to play as high as possible. There's yeah. no denying that. Um, and you had lads capable of playing in the championship now week in, week out, more than capable of, of holding their own, probably even at a level above yeah. um, for some of them. So um, they had to do what they had to do. And at the time, I felt that the following season with the style of play that we had, and I didn't foresee us not finishing in a strong position. I remember sitting down with the chairman and he was saying, listen, we're going to bring this player to the club and this player. And even the team, the following season, like Ben come, Ben Gladwin come back, yeah. and Lou come back, and you just, we had Nicky Jose, and you just thought, oh, well, this team's still more than Nathan capable. Burn. Nathan, but when Nathan left, I think actually in the, 
he started the season, but he actually left in the August, so he right. didn't actually last. To Wolves, right? To Wolves, yeah. So there was um, still more than enough potential in the team to to um, to get promoted. And as I say, as a captain, that that was my dream to mm. to get a team promoted. So I try not to have t- uh, regrets. Um, it was disappointing that we didn't ever get to where we needed to be, but you can be a victim of your own success at times. And the fact that we come so close when you start to do that team circle, uh, bigger clubs start to circle and they do cherry pick your, your best players in that sense. So it is always tough at this level to keep successful squads together. Yeah. Um, it's not impossible. Um, so yeah, it was disappointing, but in the day that's football. So if, if Swindon had gone up, do you think they hold on to those players? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't hold them against their wishes. No, of course do you know what I mean? The, you look at Massimo, you look at Nathan Burton, both of them playing week in, week out yeah. in the Championship now. And to ask them to stay another uh, year at Swindon would have been wrong. Yeah. And I think, to be fair as well, even if it's, not, if it's not a higher league, if it's the same league, but the stature of the club, like you look at playing at Sheffield Wednesday or playing at Wigan or playing... Dave, you know, look at Portsmouth. Like, if Swindon stayed up but you'd have gone to Portsmouth. You're playing in front of 20,000 fans every week. Yeah, there is that. Um, maybe at times you do, you fall in love with a club. I'd fully yeah. fallen in love with Swindon. I loved everything about um, the, um, the people that were there, the players that were there. I had a really, as I say, a really good relationship with the fans and stuff. So, yeah, at times your heart can rule your head slightly. Um, but when the likes of a, a Portsmouth the, the stature of that I mean you only have to look at the turnout they got when we went to, to Wembley the other day it's just set a, cl- uh, a new record 85,000 fans it's just it's outrageous when you think of the playoff final probably a, a more important game as such I think it got 45, 50,000 and that's not to knock um, the Swindon fans by any stretch but I'm just it just goes to show you the size of the club that you're dealing with in, in League One and they are Portsmouth Fire probably a bigger club than a League One football club that's for sure yeah. they deserve to be in the championship just simply because of the stature of the club Yeah. so um, that's a big reason behind why, why I signed down there and I, I fully believe that hopefully we can turn what's been up until now a really successful season into an even better season. Yeah. Now, touch wood, you've been pretty much injury-free since being there, which is amazing. So that's, that's great. What do you attribute that to? You've been training differently, eating differently. What's, what's the story? Um, I think as you get older, you know how to manage your body slightly better. Um, you learn from mistakes that you made previously. Uh, I probably felt at the time when I was at Swindon, I... I rushed back whether that was um, the medical department sort of trying they they may have been getting pressure from above to try and get me back on the pitch at times but I think when I look back I should have been more forceful that actually no I'm not ready yet I'm not ready to go back on the pitch and you learn from those mistakes um you take now you sort of I know how to recover better I know how to make sure that if I don't feel right I'm I'm addressing it properly rather than just trying to get on with it and fight through it because ultimately you do get found out in that sense. Yeah. And your diet was, that's always a, co- a topic of conversation when we chat about bits and pieces. How is that? At the, what sort of thing are you following right now? I just cut out meat. It was the start of last season. I, um, 
it was literally the second day I'd signed for Portsmouth and you talk about low setbacks and that sort of thing. I remember the car journey home. It was, I still had my house in Swindon, so I was driving in and um, Charlie and my wife would, would pick me up from training. I don't think I spoke for about an hour in the car journey because it was, it was another really low moment, but I'd literally signed and it was my second day in training and re-ruptured the plantar fascia that I'd done at Swindon. Um, and I, I spoke to a couple of lads that were at Portsmouth at the time and just talked to them and they, they mentioned that they were vegan and and they'd had an incredible... It was actually Danny Rose and Kyle Bennett, for, which strangely are both at Swindon now. Yeah. Um, but they said about going vegan and stuff like this and that's a huge step to take to I was a big meat eater love fish and to cut both of that out um of my diet was a big big step so it took a baby step in the sense of taking meat out my diet kept the fish and um yeah felt really really good for it so um the lads jump on me at football for just saying like i'm a fake vegan and yeah. stuff like this like i just you created your own thing didn't you see yeah then. see this is it like and um but no it worked for me and at the end of the day that's what you, you've got just find ways of feeling better and yeah. and that seemed to as i say it seemed to work for me yeah yeah how is the camaraderie at, at, at portsmouth with on the cusp of you know potentially going up this year yeah it's flying i think any dressing room that's doing well the, the banter's flying the place is is a great place to be you can't wait to be back in training you can't wait for the next game um conversely when it's the shoes on the other foot and you're down the bottom end of the table yeah it's a little bit more of a quite a place to be shall we say yeah. and you you don't enjoy going in as much so yeah it's ultimately um the fact that we are winning at the end of the day is it gives a real feel good vibe and the whole city's bouncing at the moment i think it was basking the, the fact that we've been successful at wembley um it give a little bit of silverware in in the um cupboard and then a cupboard or a cabinet um, <laughs> the yeah, cupboard just throw that big trophy in the cupboard like <laughs> yeah no problem at all um no in the cabinet and um hopefully as i say right, um we can we can get what we ultimately uh, the reason i signed down in portsmouth for is, is to get into the championship mm. which is three wins away realistically yeah. and when you look at it like that it's really not far it's not long it's not long so so um the big one uh, and again, I'm unlikely to get this out by this weekend, but I will get out by the end of the season. Um, Sunderland's a big game. So riding off the high of beating them at Wembley, now you've got to go to Sunderland and beat them there. Yeah. So that's the big one. It is. And I said it in the aftermath of the, the Wembley game is that I wonder how it would, what it would do to them psychologically. And I think at the time they were maybe three points ahead of us before Wembley or once they won their game in hand maybe they went three points ahead of us now we're two points ahead of them mm. and you don't know what the Wembley game did to them or you don't know if it's just fatigue they've played a lot of games this month like it's it's finally caught up with them and they've they've dropped points at a time where you can't afford to drop points but I think we now go to um Stadium Light on Saturday firmly believing that we can we can do the double the league double over them um they will know that that the Wembley game will will play on their minds and I think even when you you go one they go if they were to go one nil up they will firmly remember that we come back and we were actually two one two one up for a, um, a period of that game so yeah it's 
it'll be interesting but in terms of importance it is huge yeah. absolutely massive and one we are desperate to win yeah what sort of um i asked you this after wembley what sort of mind games are going on on the pitch like you tend to be a bit of a protagonist <laughs> at times so you had what's who's the guy he, he bumped you over and then shouted at the ref and shouted at you and i forget the name mcgeady mcgeady so he by the way he shouting to the ref he's got you on toast is now a, a key phrase in the gatherum household <laughs> Tor loves that one um so so do you you obviously don't set out to do that but competitive nature takes over and it, are you are you constantly in like mental warfare with people like how does i think so i think you have to you, you it's so ingrained in you that to win like yeah. you win at all costs and that's not i'm not saying it's cheating you just find ways of they call it dark arts i guess of just getting a little psychological edge and that's why the crowd tried to to um antagonize players on the pitch by giving them the abuse i i can't so much give players abuse but you you do little things that just annoy them and hopefully throw them off their game slightly and that little foul that he he lost his head over um it's something that I've done for a period of time. It's, listen, it's not cheating. I don't see it as cheating as others may disagree. And, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's buying a foul that is maybe soft and it's maybe a little bit cheaper than um, than other players would, would want to give away a foul for. But you just have to do what you have to do to, yeah. to get the result. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's across any sport. And yeah. if you're going to succeed in any walk of life, you, you've, you've got to be willing to... Find the edge. Exactly. So... so um, can I ask you about the Oxford incident? Again, this is exactly the same thing. I, I sort of said to the the lad before he was taking the penalty, "You're going to miss this." Like I know you're going to, and just constantly planting that seed of doubt in his mind. And then once he did miss it, because I've done that to other players, and then they've tucked it in the bottom corner, yeah. and then they turn around and they <laughs> give me all sorts of scenes. Like you just have to sort of hang your head in shame. But at this point, I, I mean. Um, yeah, he missed it and I was a little bit sort of overzealous in my celebration, but it was just passion, I think. Maybe the the background of the Swindon and the Swindon whole... So, bit, yeah, yeah, like it maybe overcome me a little bit. But then his reaction, which I just thought was a little bit over the top. At the end of the day, you get people shouting left, right and centre at you from the crowd. So the fact that he had to, he swung his hand like that, slapped me across the face, I thought was was childish from him in that sense and he got sent off i know the swindon fans they a lot of them commented and <laughs> a lot of them love it yeah a lot of the oxford fans <laughs> give me some serious abuse for it but that's part of us of course it is and also if if at least someone doesn't hate you in a sport you're probably not doing it right exactly. to any real level right uh, it's, it's funny because i only had this conversation with um some friends out down this weekend and you say like if you if you're not being spoken about you you've been forgotten yeah and oh, i mean you don't want to be forgotten so yeah uh, i'm always one i'm more than old enough now and experienced enough to to shoulder any abuse any people talking badly it's just a fickle industry it's one minute you can be the worst person in the world worst player in the world the next week you score a goal at Wembley and everyone's singing and dancing and um, and loving you. So, yeah, that's football and that's, as I say, I'm experienced enough to accept that now. How do you navigate, like, social media and stuff like that? Do you dip into that or leave it? Tend to leave it. Just because 
you can read a hundred comments that are positive and then read one and it's negative and the negative ones that stays in your mind. I've learned that f- since I was a young lad and it's, it's not nice. No one wants to read negative press about themselves. It's, it's human nature. Um, so I just tend to stay clear. I'll post it now and again, um, if I feel real need to, um, but yeah, on the whole, I oh, don't get me wrong. I will like go on and flick through and and have a look at things that interest me in terms of um, we were having that conversation about the mobility yeah. um, trainers and stuff like that. But on the whole, I certainly not read in any light of my own press or any of the um, the comments and stuff like that. It's got to be. Um, it's, I always think it's a real weird. What I like, especially football, seems to be. I can't think of another sport that is that hot and cold in terms of people's love and hatred and whatever. Um, I really can. Like, but if you look at... I remember when you first signed to Portsmouth and, and just their, they released something and the comments on there. And some of it is like, oh, well, he better be better than such and such or he's got big shoes to fill or whatever it might be. And you kind of go, well... It's, and then two weeks into the season, they're all over you. They love you. Yeah. Like, it's such a... It's a strange world. It is. It's, and that's, that's why I say you have to sort of steer clear of it Um, it was I think after the Charlton game we'd lost and I say I don't go on it but there'll be occasions where I'll get a notification and I've turned it off actually um, since but I got a notification come through actually no I tell a lie I tell a lie it was the Wembley game it was really funny because um, I thought I turned it off and some reason I had a notification come through and it was the photo of um me walking out on the pitch at Wembley before the game. So as I say, like we were having our stadium tour and someone tagged me in and saying, I hope this is the closest um, Nathan's going to get to the pitch tomorrow because um, I've played with better pub players. (laughs) (laughs) Some pub team. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) the next day. So he's obviously a passionate fan. He's got his own opinion, that sort of thing. But I just wondered whether or not the next day when I did score the header, like whether or not he was yeah. seen dancing, do you know what I mean? And it's just, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. There's just no point in getting sort of caught up in it and reading too much into it because it just changes like the wind, yeah. do you know what I mean? So, Should have taken a picture of you after scoring and tagged him in it. That's yeah, saying, yeah, myself, yeah, saying exactly that. Yeah, I'd like to see your pub team. I should yeah, have, yeah. but... <laughs> you can't do that. No, exactly. You can't do that. I got a couple of questions, quick fire questions. So for you, um, a whole career... Um, absolute highlight two walking out at Wembley as captain scoring at Wembley cool best player you've played against against Gareth Bale yeah that's fair Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's fair Um, and that was directly against wasn't it that was uh, right back left wing I've spoken about it since it was the last game he ever played in the country so some may say like he didn't want to play in in England he's had enough some of it may say that that game has moved to Real Madrid (laughs) (laughs) whichever way you want to look at exactly this is it (laughs) I like that Um, okay so um, biggest clown on Portsmouth team Clown. I think clowns like are Joker, stronger. Yeah. Joker. Um, probably without even meaning to. We got a lad called Ollie Hawkins, and he, like, I don't even think he means to say some of the stuff he says at half time, but he cracks me up with it. So, yeah, it's cool. He reminds me a lot of Lawrence, the goalkeeper. Okay. And they're very similar <laughs> characters, and um, yeah, they both crack me the up. The story about that I got at your wedding from um, Mike 
the sports scientist from Swindon. Did I tell you this? About Lawrence? He, yeah, about Lawrence. Oh, God. No, go on. So, so when you went to Dublin for the pre-season tour, yeah. and you had a couple of friendlies there, and uh, it was real, real foggy on your flight back. Oh, yeah, I know so, you say. Cool. <laughs> so I've got to finish it. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're flying in to, I guess, Bristol or wherever it is you're flying back to, and um, it's real, it's dense, thick fog outside. So suddenly the plane hits, right, and there's a big impact. And, uh, and Lawrence shouts, for some reason he's got a super close relationship with Mike, the physio. So he shouts Bear out. Bear in mind, Mike's halfway down the plane, so he's not <laughs> yeah. like next to him, Jeremy. <laughs> That's the most important bit. So he shouts, Mike, how have, Mike, how have we landed in the clouds? And that literally was like the defining moment for me of, the, okay, this guy, I've got to hang around this guy more this evening because he was hilarious. He is so absolutely stunning. And the other one that he, I got from him was when he went to Barcelona and he's, uh, so he went on holiday in the summer and he went, you know, you walk in, you've been to Barcelona, Yeah. you walk around and you go through a, like an alleyway and it opens up into like a square courtyard and you've got like street performers. So street performers like break dancing or do it with juggling or whatever. And they've got their hat down on the floor and they're taking money and the crowds are formed. And so he's, he's collected this money or whatever. And uh, Lawrence has looked around and the crowds are sort of cleared. The guys have cleared off. So he puts his hat down and starts dancing and trying to and get clapping to get people to come over. And I don't know if he made anything from it, but, that, but this is sort of... He is a character. He's brilliant. You need that, though, on a team, I guess. Absolutely. So a long season, you probably need that. Yeah, so, that. That's, so when you were at Swindon then, um, who, who would have played the Ollie Hawkins joker role, clown role on the, on the Swindon team? Who's yeah, the funniest team? Him, Lawrence. Was it? By, yeah, by, uh, he just... As I say, he was absolutely brilliant. And uh, do you know what? I another one that again didn't mean to be but just his stories used to make me crack up was now ranger really uh, yeah just because he, he was a it'll be the first of me he made some serious mistakes like and that's probably why he's not in football anymore in a sense but i remember there was one time he um we didn't see him for about two weeks we couldn't like manager would call him and that no answer just just didn't know where ranger went and um Anyway, from nowhere, he, he texts the manager, just saying, "Gaffer man's this is this, this <laughs> how he's mentioned that this is his tweet or his uh, text message. Gaffer man's can't come in today. Man's got a cold, and then sent him a picture message of snot, like his eyes shut and snot running down his face. <laughs> He's sending that to the manager of the football club, and you just think, "Range and like, what's going on here?" Like, he was just something else. So, yeah, That's mad. How was it like playing with him? Because he's obviously very talented, extremely talented, and it, really frustrating because he just didn't, he just didn't ever seem to click with him. He didn't know how good, how good he was, um, and if he was just able to get his head down, I firmly believe he would be top-end championship, if not Premier League footballer. Was it too much too soon? Because he started in Newcastle. Was it just a case of, well, this is it now, I've made it, and then took it for granted? I don't know. Mentality? Possibly. It's so difficult to pinpoint because I had numerous conversations with him and there would be players with a lot more experience that have played at a lot higher level that have um, 
had conversations with him. And I'm led to believe that Alan Shearer absolutely loved him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? What more praise do you need than... As a striker. As a striker, than him loving you. Do you know what I mean? So um, it's really disappointing. And I think it's not until he's much older, he'll look back on and think, I was an idiot. I really messed up something good. And realistically, he could have been set for life. Do you know what I mean? So... um, yeah, it is disappointing. It's a shame. There must be stories like that all over football as well. Of course. And there'll be equally stories of players that you kind of go, they didn't didn't have seemingly the talent or God-given gifts that, yeah. you know, that these top players had, but they made a 15-year career. There's got to be it. loads of those as well. This Good locker room guys. And yeah. That's why it always makes you laugh. You see players that have established a Premier League career. I mean, Jordan Henderson, Jordan Henderson, a classic example. Like, he's always played in the Premier League for years upon years. Like, and because they're not flashy, they're not in your face, the, what they do on the pitch is maybe not getting on the highlight reel every week. They don't get the credit they deserve. It's not until you can play them. I was one. I was a Tottenham fan growing up, and I remember... Not so much criticising, but not really understanding what Scott Parker did. Mm. I was just like, well, what's he on the pitch for? What? We played against Tottenham in pre-season and we couldn't get near him. The really? guy was just untouchable. And you think that's exactly why he's able to play at that level for so long. He may not be flashy, but they're just another league. Yeah. So, so you as a Tottenham fan, so who's absolute hero growing up? <laughs> it's a difficult one. I don't think I had a... I loved watching... Um, Luka Modric and I was probably slightly older then to appreciate him but maybe understood what he did and how he made things tick over you you just were unable to get near players like him Berbatov those Mm. sorts of players just Ledley King like it was just a class above and at the time Spurs Spurs certainly weren't as good as they are today so it was, uh, they were sort of shining lights at the time. Yeah. Do you think they beat Ajax? Yes. Yeah? I do. I think Ajax now, it, I love what Ajax are doing. Like, to see all the youngsters flourishing and playing is, is incredible. But I think that some, it just tells me that it, Spurs are getting to the final and that's yeah. for a start. So, and then it's anyone's anyone's game. Yeah, you know whatever I mean? one game, you never know. Exactly. Um, so that is um, biggest clowns. I was also going to say best player or players. Let's do plural. It's like three that you've played with. Matt Ritchie. Yeah, he's at Newcastle now. Yeah. yeah. Um, ridiculous ability. Um, Charlie Austin, mm-hmm. another one that's most natural goal scorer that. I've come across I've played alongside now, he might have been in your guys painting and decorating he might have been in the pub team yeah that, that guy was talking about yeah that's he a good point yeah that's why he's saying play. Yeah. yeah I can understand that then yeah he was right <laughs> um, um, and then I have to say a player that's I'm at Portsmouth with now um, a guy called Matt Clark he's 22 years old I, I firmly believe he'll play for England yeah. Like his centre half, he's so comfortable with the ball at his feet. He is one of them that 
as a defender, you sort of take up positions on the pitch depending on like you're reading the situation. When he's got his foot, uh, ball at his feet, I'm taking up a, pit, a position high up the pitch because I know like there's no way that he's given it away. Mm. Like, even if he gets into trouble, he'll get out himself out of trouble. He's 22 years old. Do you know what I mean, so like Portsmouth fans will hate me for saying it, but. I firmly believe he'll establish himself. You think of Harry Maguire and what mm. what he's gone on to achieve. I believe Clarkey's a better player than Harry Maguire, and he'll he'll play for England for sure. It's wow, huge praise. Yeah, he's the one that you bit in the face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd prefer to say that he headed me in the mouth, but <laughs> yeah, that's the one. It made me laugh. We yeah. turned up at a hospital, and you've got a beaker full of blood, and he's got like a McDonald's it's, sign yeah. in his head from it's your two teeth. So yeah, brilliant. And I couldn't believe when they brought the fans in to meet you at that day as well. Yeah, nice. No, it's, it's opportunity. It. This is it. This opportunity is it. knocks. Um, so, um, Nath, that's that's we've done nearly an hour here, and I've just I've monopolised your time for long enough. So thank you for. Um, for coming to see me and, and, and for taking the time to do it. It's, 